This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Acts chapter 3, tonight in your Bibles. Once again, we're going to look into the record of the early church as God has revealed it to us in the book of Acts through the pen of a physician, a holy man of God led along by the Holy Spirit. And through this book, we get to see how the Holy Spirit works through believers who are completely yielded to Him. And it's for that reason, I don't believe the book of Acts was just meant to be a good start. I believe it is what God intends to do through the church, throughout the church age, even though we don't have the sign gifts. People are not speaking in tongues today. Uh, there is not the healing that we're even going to consider uh, in the text tonight, though James 5 does teach us that God still is miraculously healing those in His church. But the results remain the same. Throughout the church age, as God's people are yielded to the Spirit of God, God is glorified, souls are one to Christ, and the church is strengthened. But only the Holy Spirit knows how He will move as Christians move according to His leading and power. Uh, the Holy Spirit is pictured in Scripture as wind. In fact, you'll remember that when He came down at Pentecost, uh, folks heard uh, the sound of a mighty rushing wind or uh, rushing water. That's what they heard. That was the coming of the Spirit of God. And uh, He moves as He will. Uh, we cannot uh, tell where the wind is coming from. We can see the results of the wind. But that is what the Spirit's ministry is. He works mightily. And we get to just be used of Him and then see the results of what He does. Fifty years ago, a group of believers met together and were burdened about starting a church here in Western Branch. They could not have envisioned 50 years later that this is what the Holy Spirit of God would have done. But here we are. And God wants to continue that work through His church. So as we move into the third chapter of Acts, we watch two disciples invoke the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They're approaching the Temple Mount. They see a lame man. They invoke the name of Jesus. And the, revolt, or the results are the very same outcome of what happened uh, when the Lord physically walked with them during His earthly ministry. You're going to see a direct parallel tonight as he walked and he reached out and touched and healed. It's going to continue to happen, but now through two of his apostles. So in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, once again, healing is brought to a lame man, both physically and spiritually. Uh, 
in fact, what we're going to see tonight, and I'm giving some background so that when we get into the narrative, we can just let the narrative take us, the story take us, as it's recorded for us in Scripture. Uh, but we're going to see a lame man who is healed, but he's also healed spiritually. Just like we don't know all that happened after Jesus met with Nicodemus, we do know he was converted. And we'll see later in just one chapter, chapter 4, that this lame man not only was healed physically, but he was also healed spiritually. So we need to see that those who take the name of Jesus with them, those who do that today will see the powerful continuance of the Holy Spirit's work just like the apostles saw it in Acts chapter 3. And so brethren, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, Here's what we need to consider tonight, the healing power of Jesus' name. The healing power of Jesus' name. This week, God intends for you to utter that name in the presence of lost, hurting, and needy people. And so the healing power of Jesus' name. Look at Acts chapter 3. And let's look at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple. Now this is Peter and John ascending one of nine stairways leading up to the temple mount. We're going to be told which of these stairways they used. They're making this ascent at the hour of prayer beginning the ninth hour. So it's three o'clock in the afternoon. This is the last of three daily prayer times. It's also time for the evening sacrifice. Now here's what you need to consider. This was the apostles' pattern. They had some spiritual disciplines. Just like you and I need to have spiritual disciplines as we're led by the Spirit of God. I hope as you're starting a new year that you have some spiritual patterns that are governing your life. Now let's pause for a moment and consider that Acts 1 to 10 describe a gradual transition from Jewish Christianity, these at this time are all Jews, to Jews and Gentiles functioning together as the body of Christ. That's going to begin really in full when we get to chapter 11, though the preparation uh, is leading up to that. We shouldn't miss, however, the scheduled devotion of the apostles who no doubt expected to meet other believers on the Temple Mount for their daily prayer time and encouragement. Again tonight, I want to commend Good News Baptist Church. Here you are, it's Sunday night, it is the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, and you are gathered here together for spiritual encouragement, to worship, and to pray together. Now, oh, are we saying something that we're having to force onto the text? No, because if you look back at Acts chapter 2 and verse 46, you'll see that in fact this was a spiritual pattern. Acts 2.46 tells us daily they were in the temple. So this was their habit, this was their pattern. Holy Spirit controlled people have a schedule controlled by the Holy Spirit. Your schedule needs to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. We're going to see tonight in the text 
that it really needs to be controlled by the Holy Spirit and devoted to fellowship with Him and to His people. And so again, here you are. God is pleased. It evidences a spirit-filled life. Now verse 2. Again, they're going together to the temple. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried. The Greek tense here is he was being carried. In other words, simultaneously at the very same time, Peter and John are taking these steps up to this gate, these, these entrances to the Temple Mount, and there were several of these. You, you made the first ascent, then you came to those entrances, and then there were stairwells that actually went up onto the Temple Mount. Again, nine different entrances. You had these stairways. It's kind of intriguing when you visit Jerusalem today. Those entrances are, are there's brick. They've been stoned over. You can still see where they are, but inside there, those stairs uh, are still there that where, where people would ascend to the Temple Mount. So they're ascending. This man is simultaneously being carried at the same time, who they lay daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Beautiful. To, take al to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. And so we're introduced, uh, reminded about the apostles' pattern, daily pattern, but now we're told about this man's daily pattern. So where was this gate called beautiful? I'm giving you a model of the Temple Mount. This was Herod's temple. Again, nine different entrances around it. Some think that the beautiful gate was actually the eastern gate. That's, as you're looking at the screen on the far right, that arrow coming down. Uh, that's also referred to as the golden gate. Uh, many Bible scholars uh, don't think that that was actually the one because in order to enter into the temple from that side, you had to be outside of the city. And so uh, we don't know where this man lived. Perhaps he lived on the eastern uh, hill, maybe uh, over on the Mount of Olives, someplace over there. If so, then they would have probably brought him in to that gate. Uh, but most Bible scholars think that the gate beautiful, the most uh, used gate uh, to the Temple Mount, was that lower arrow uh, off to the right. And you can see that arrow. Uh, so there was, there was a set of steps that go up to those entrances. You would enter there and then take stairways up to uh, the Temple Mount. Solomon's porch is right above that. And we'll find out later from the book of Acts that that's where the early church would assemble. And that colonnade up there uh, that was, was covered, they would meet up there uh, to pray. And so my personal belief is that this beautiful gate was in fact that gate. Again, those who traveled to Israel with us, we got to stand on those very steps and then look at those doorways that now have, have been stoned uh, shut. And so this was the man's pattern. Verse 3, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple... 
they were almost at those doors, asked for alms. So here's how the story goes. Peter and John, they're taking these steps. They're going to go up, meet the other believers up on the Temple Mount. As they're going up, some ones are carrying this lame man. His pattern every day, they would carry him up to those doors. They'd set him down, and that's how he made his living by people giving alms to him as he laid there at the door. And so Peter and John are going up. This man is going up beside them. And as they're going up, this guy's not going to waste any time. He looks over. He doesn't know who these men are. And he starts to ask for alms. Now there's an application that's important for us here. Are we willing to interrupt our daily patterns, however important, to interrupt the daily patterns of others to help them with their most important spiritual needs? If you are a faithful witness, this is something that you've noticed. Pastor Cole, you've noticed it. Pastor Coles, you've noticed this. When you witness, it's never a convenient time. Now that doesn't mean you don't sense that the Holy Spirit has brought a divine appointment there. But you've usually got some place to go, and you're wondering, does this person have some place to go? And there's a voice inside you that says, share the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And there's something else inside you saying, you're going to be late. Now, here's the thing. If Peter and John stop to talk to this guy, try to help him, they are going to be late for a prayer meeting. Just saying. But what's important is the Holy Spirit controls their schedule. As we go into a new year, God is going to bring opportunities across your path that's going to interrupt your schedule, and you may wonder if you're, going to inter if you're interrupting their schedule, but they need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you may find as you engage in that conversation, it's only going to last two or three minutes, maybe five minutes, and it's going to end with you handing them a gospel track, but you need to let the Holy Spirit determine the, the, the uh, timing of that, not you. So I think Peter and John were late to the prayer meeting. But watch. The Holy Spirit will lead us to do so if we are listening. Verse 4, And Peter, fastening, no doubt pressed by the Holy Spirit to look intently, is the idea here, on this man. Again, the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned in this chapter, but his work is clearly evident. And so Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. He's saying, gaze on us. Now, Peter needed the full man's attention, the man's full attention, so he would hear, believe, and fully realize the miracle that God wanted to do. Remember, he is at these doorways leading up to the Temple Mount, and there are all kinds of people passing them. And by the way, the people passing him, they have purses with money in them. Where do you give? Up there. 
I'm down here. And so these are potential customers. Peter knows this about this guy and what's he concerned with? That this man, look at gaze, look. Look at me so you can understand what I'm about to say. And Peter's probably thinking too, so you can experience whatever God's going to do for you. So he needed his full attention. Also, the man could be easily distracted again by those that were passing by. Peter wanted his full attention. Verse 5, And he gave heed unto them, to Peter and John, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none. This is how I know these guys were Baptist preachers, all right? So, no, not, not true. All right. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give thee. What's he going to give them? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. This is in the present imperative, in the, in the original, which means he is saying to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and begin walking. Now this man heard the command, but had no concept of how to even do it. He had watched people walk all of his life, but he had never walked. It's like me going to one of you who can walk and saying, begin flying. Never done that. This man had seen it, but he had never walked. What a command, right? I'm sure it took him back. But the key to the whole incident, and this is where we're going to park for a little bit, is it was given, that command was given in the name, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That changes everything. Too much had happened on that temple mount, by the way, for the man not to have known the name. He knew Jesus. And by the way, something had just happened up there where 3,000 people got saved, and everybody's talking about it. And also, did you notice, this man is lame from his birth. So he had been sitting out there a long time. No doubt in the community of those that were lame, uh, those that were disabled, they knew about others who had been healed by Jesus of Nazareth. Now, he hadn't been one of them. But just on the other side of the Temple Mount, there's this pool called Bethesda. Jesus healed over there. And in other parts of Judea and in the north, that name grabbed his attention. Verse 7, and took him by the right hand. Now this means that Peter reached out, and that language means he seized him and lifted him up. Wow. Now this is exactly what Jesus had done to Peter's mother-in-law back in Mark 131. Peter had seen the Lord do this before. This also evidenced Peter's faith 
to the man of what God would do. He wasn't just walking around and, and giving out orders. He says this to the man, rise up and walk. And I wonder at this point if the man begins to stir, I've never done this before, I want to. And as he's stirring, Peter reaches out, grabs him, seizes him, and brings him up. Now this is where the tension mounts in the story. What happens? This man is exercising faith. He's listening. He wants it. Peter exercises faith by reaching out to help him. And then something amazing happens in the text. Are you watching? It says this. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankles received strength. Atrophied legs were immediately made new with full strength. As soon as Peter reaches out, it's not Peter doing the work. He's not doing the miracle. It's the Lord. It's in Jesus' name. But as soon as that man exercises faith, had to reach out to take Peter's hand, Peter seizes him, and as he comes to his feet, immediately those legs are made new with full strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple. Do you know what that means based on the background that we, we know from this text? One of the first things this guy did was a flight of stairs. That's a miracle. Some of us have good legs and we don't like stairs. Up onto the temple mount. Walking, leaping, and praising God. There's no doubt this guy's been healed. Now consider what an example of salvation this is. Because faith in Christ works the very same way. Before salvation, all of us were lame spiritually. Could do nothing for ourselves poor and unable to sustain ourselves. By the way, outside the temple and separated from God. Up there on that temple mount, it's the Holy of Holies. Now, at this point, that veil had been torn wide open. No doubt they replaced it. But you'll remember when Jesus died, entrance into God's holy place was now for anyone who would believe on Christ. But here's something you have to remember about this text. Do you know that that lame man sitting outside of the temple all that time, he had never seen the temple mount? So what do you mean, Pastor? He's lame. He is unfit. If somebody had carried him up there, they would have stoned him to death. He was not allowed. But as soon as he puts his faith in the name Jesus Christ, he can run right up those steps and he can be there like everybody else. When we were saved, we're like this man. We fixed our eyes on someone who had their eyes fixed on us. 
Who was it that came alongside you and gave you the gospel? Or maybe it was someone sitting in a printed house that printing house that fixed their eyes on the scriptures and as they were producing Bibles were praying, God, put this in the in the in the hands of somebody who will believe on the name of Jesus. And so they fixed, my dad fixed his eyes on me and led me to the Lord. Somebody fixed their eyes on you. You fixed your eyes on them to hear about the name of Jesus and what he had done. As they reached out with truth and grace, you then reached back with faith in God's promise and you were made whole. The healing was immediate. And we gave evidence by walking, leaping, and praising God. We got our spiritual legs. Now there's no doubt about what happened because the man was also surrounded by witnesses. Verse 9, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. But there was something else. Verse 10, and they knew. The original here says that they began to perceive that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened. Some of these folks, their entire life, they walked up those steps onto that temple mount and who was there every day? They knew who this guy was. But now he's not sitting back at those gates begging for help. He's up there leaping and praising God. Now think about this. If you've been healed by faith in Jesus Christ, you need to be leaping and praising God too. He rescued you. He made you whole. He delivered you. And the world, especially those who know you, need to see Jesus has made a difference. By the way, it says here, they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened. Uh, had happened. Again, perfect active tense. The, this is continuing results. There was a permanent new state of continued walking. And so as they look at this guy, they recognize, and as he continues to leap and walk and praise God, it continues to convince them Jesus is who Jesus said he was. So let's conclude. We need to finish tonight, but this will draw another crowd. As we work through the rest of the, of the third chapter. It'll draw a crowd. Peter will preach a second spontaneous message. And if you didn't know the book of Acts, you're watching him preach. The crowd gathers. They're under conviction. And you're thinking, wow, more people are going to get saved. But just before he can give the invitation, the priest, the temple guard, the Sadducees all interrupt the meeting and arrest Peter and John. How do you like that? Spirit-led. God's done this mighty miracle. We're all up here. Look at what God has done. A good message has just been preached. Time to go to jail. But wait, and we're going to read on, that they take, in, they take these apostles, they arrest them, 
Tell them they can't preach in Jesus' name anymore. The apostles say, well, we're going to obey God. And guess who's standing right there with them in front of the priests and the Sadducees? The man who's been healed. Chapter 4, he's right next to them. What does that tell us? He put his faith in Christ. It didn't matter the threat. It doesn't matter uh, what people think. I met Jesus. He made me whole. I'm going to keep serving him. It'd be pretty hard to be the high priest giving these guys a hard time when here's a man who couldn't walk all of his life and now he's healed and he's standing right there next to him. But let's close tonight by going back to the man who won't let go of Peter. The Bible says that before Peter preaches, he's standing there, he's jumping, he's leaping, but he's, he's grabbed on to Peter and John. Hey, I, I want to get to know these guys better. They, their message just changed my life. And, and so he's holding on to them while he's jumping, praising the Lord in the temple. Warren Wearsby, though, makes this excellent observation. Now that he could stand, there was no question where he stood. Let me say it again. Now that he could stand, there was no question where he stood. Now tonight, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, most, if not all, of those before me tonight in this room have professed faith in Christ. You know the Lord. He has made you to stand. You can never fall. Oh yes, you can stumble here. We can turn our back on the Lord, but you know what? He's going to pick you up, dust you off. If you'll turn back to Him, He's going to keep you going on the narrow way. But the question is, He made you to stand. Are you standing with Him? The only way that you're going to stand with Him is to every day in 2022 yield to the power of the Spirit of God, let Him work through you, and let Him direct your path. And that also includes whenever He wants to take you out of your daily routine, which by the way ought to be His routine for you, whenever He wants to do that, are you willing to let Him do that? You are here so that he can work through you to rescue sinners. It's not your schedule, it's the Holy Spirit's schedule working to try to come alongside in them, them and their schedules to make a difference. So this lame man, now healed, is a new man who publicly identified with the people of God, the church, in the temple, and even when the apostles get arrested, chapter 4 and verse 14. So here's what we need to do with the truth tonight. Christian, your conversion, if genuine, in so many ways parallels this lame man. Do you continue now to identify with the people of God and give evidence to miraculous change? Does your life continue to praise the Lord? Young people, do your lives continue to give praise to God as you identify with the people of God? 
We need to answer that tonight. Also, does your life evidence the controlling power of the Holy Spirit because He controls your daily routine? He is also able to direct you to interrupt, intercept others' routines in order to give them the gospel they really need. Later in the book of Acts, we're going to meet a deacon turned evangelist. His name's Philip. He's in Antioch, and there's revival breaking out. It's exciting. And, and I'm sure Philip thought, I need to stay here. The work is here, and the Holy Spirit interrupts his routine, pulls him up out of there, puts him all the way down in the wilderness, plants him, and when he looks up, there's an Ethiopian in a fancy chariot. And he's been up in Jerusalem and he's, he's gotten a copy of Isaiah's prophecy and he's reading the prophecies about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit says, go join yourself. Go, go. He gets up in that chariot. Now, again, he is, he is way out of, from where he was. Leaves the man of the Lord, baptizes him. There's an interruption to your routine. And then the Holy Spirit snatches him up and puts him back in the next place. Now, you're not going to get any frequent flyer miles, but you need to be that available. When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? And is, are you held back because of how it may affect your daily routine? I've got places to go, things to do. No, you need to yield to the Spirit of God because He's got things for you to do. Namely, witnessing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So Christian, tonight I want to challenge you. Yield to the Holy Spirit and let Him use you to see a lame man be made whole. I'm not talking about you going places where there are lame people and laying hands. That's, that's not what this uh, is about for us as far as the, the context today. Uh, but we need to go to them too and offer them hope of a new body by putting their faith in Jesus Christ and spend eternity with And then if you're listening tonight and you're unsaved, the same thing that happened to this lame man physically can happen to you spiritually if you'll put your faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What an exciting story. But that can be your experience in a very similar way if you'll admit to God you're a sinner. Fix your eyes on Him. He's reaching down for you. Would you seize hold of Him, His promises, admit to Him you're a sinner, and ask Jesus to be your Savior? He'll make you whole. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.